This episode of Proper English is brought to you by words and phrases invented by Shakespeare and the idiom to catch a cold. Hello, I'm Alison. And I'm Dave. And in this episode of Proper, Proper English, English, we're doing something a little different. We like to mix it up, be brave. To screw our courage to the sticking place, as Lady Macbeth said. Yeah, this week we're going to talk about William Shakespeare the Bard of Avon, who some would say is the greatest English writer ever. But where do we begin? I know what you mean. I like Shakespeare, but I don't really know enough about him and his place to speak with any authority. Me neither, to be honest. You know what we need? We need an expert. Someone who has an in-depth knowledge of theatre, and Shakespearean theatre in particular. Yeah. Someone who could talk the hind legs off a donkey and then persuade it to go jogging. But who do we know like that? How about European theatre maker, playwright, co-founder of the Camden People's Theatre in London. We nicked this from his Facebook page. An all-round nice chap, Mr Tony Gardner. Yay! Oh my God! Hello! <laughs> Hello! How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Thank you for asking me on. I've been trying to get on this for months. <laughs> trying to get my agent to get me a gig with proper English. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're not going to get paid. Persistence oh. pays. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what are you doing with yourself? What's happening? Uh, well, well, I'm quarantined, aren't I? Um, I'm in, I'm in splendid self-isolation, um, uh, just like Shakespeare was from time to time. Uh-huh. In the, uh, in the, particularly in the 1590s, when the plague hit London, not once, not twice, not three times, but four times. Wow! I didn't know that. And the theatres were closed. Um, this is why he wrote his uh, very long poems. Uh, because he had to make money, uh, and the theatres were closed, so he turned to writing poetry instead. Well, there you go. I didn't there know that. Wow. Every day is a school day. Literally. Awesome. <laughs> so, we've got some questions. We've got some yes. questions about Shakespearean words and phrases, and whether, you know, relevance uh, is a thing, you know? Lovely. So, first up... Why do we still use the words and phrases today that Shakespeare coined 400 years ago? Well, that's a really good question. Thank you. We've got to go back um, uh, quite a way, actually, to the uh, end of the 14th century, the beginning of the 15th century, because then a man called Geoffrey Chaucer wrote the Canterbury Tales. Mm-hmm. And- First time, one of the very first times that anyone had written a really major work in English. English was the language of peasants. It was the language of the kitchen, the language of the field and the farmyard. Cool. Latin was the clever language, and French Latin was the language of the courts and the king's court. Of course. But in 1399, around about that, of 1400, Geoffrey Chaucer wrote the Canterbury Tales. And that's the first major work that we have written in the English language. Uh, And it created a precedent, of course. Other people started writing in English. So by the time we get to Shakespeare, 
who was born, what, 1564, right. uh, the start of what we call the early modern period, there was a movement to fix the language and to fix the meaning of words. But of course, that meant that there was huge debate about the elasticity of the language. Which words and prefixes could go with other words and prefixes in order to create a language that was modern, that was popular, and that really gave us a glimpse into the life that Shakespeare knew in the 16th and 17th centuries. Wow. Uh, one of uh, another great influence on Shakespeare would have been the Book of Common Prayer, which was written in 1551 and 2. Uh, and that is where we get so many of our everyday uh, phrases from. Right. So this would have influenced Shakespeare and he suddenly developed this uh, this sense of liberty with the language. There was a certain amount of freedom in what words go with other words in order to create an impression um, of, of life as they knew it. Ah, right, okay. Latin is a very formal language. It means one thing. Therefore, it's completely useless if you're trying to um, uh, create uh, nuance of expression. Right. Uh, Or, of course, modern expression. Uh, Society was growing so fast. The size of London, the biggest city in the world at that time, was uh, w- was growing hugely, and this mixture of cultures um, and uh, the experience that these other cultures brought into the city with them through the docks, through trade, right. through the mercantile experience, shops, um, started to push at the boundaries of language, as if uh, as if somebody fighting to get out of a balloon uh, would push at the edges and uh, eventually make inroads in how English was spoken and, crucially, how English was written. And the last thing that I need to mention is, of course, the printing press, because... Gutenberg. Yeah, yeah. With the printing press came uh, the real opportunity to fix the language, to make sure that there was precedent for putting words together, for coining neologisms or new words. Um, Brilliant. Great word. Love it. (laughs) A neologism. Yes, I love neologisms. I use them all the time. And so did Shakespeare. (laughs) Right. Excellent. Yeah, because he invented a lot of words, didn't he? Yeah, making aware into unaware and things like that. Downstairs, Shakespeare, baseless dwindle and my favorite which is in richard ii which is a very very controversial play because it deals with the um, abdication of a king the forced abdication of a king shakespeare coins this wonderful word unking yes Uh, will you unking me here brilliant Uh, and and of course in that in that word, there's the there's the implication of a joke as well. You know, how can you unking a king? Because God has made the king. How can you undo something that God has done? Brilliant! Oh, wow. superb! I tell you what, th- this is pretty much the entire episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
I'll get home. (laughs) (laughs) That absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much, Tony. Because you know, I mean, like you, I love words and I love where they come from and I love to find out where they come from. And when you uh, sort of explain it, it's just, ah, it just makes me so happy. (laughs) I have a dreadful confession to make, and that is uh, for my bathroom reading, but down by the side of the loo, I always have uh, what's called the concordance of Shakespearean words, which is every word that Shakespeare used. Uh, It's a huge volume. And like you, I find it utterly, utterly fascinating. I love concordances. (laughs) Awesome. Okay, now... Next question. Shakespeare had a talent for insult, and we know that you're a man with a fondness for a barbed epithet. (laughs) Yeah, you like to call people names. (laughs) But out of all of the insults that the Bard of Avon invented, which one's your favourite? I think my favourite... My favourite, it's a toss-up between two. One is the one from Macbeth, you cream-faced loon. (laughs) So pleased. I teach a lot of cream-faced loons. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes you see a student and you think, you know, no hair on the face, that beautiful fresh skin. um, And you think, you're a cream-faced loon. (laughs) But my absolute favourite here would have to be from uh, Henry the Fourth, Part One, and that is you bulls pizzle. (laughs) (laughs) To say here for your listeners that a pizzle is a man's down below, (laughs) a man's private parts. But it's but the phrase itself is so wonderful when you think of a bull's pizzle, if in fact you think of a bull's pizzle at all, <laughs> you think of really? something, you know, with that slight uh, buff of hair around the face. And it's used by a man called Falstaff, a great, huge, fat, alcoholic, whoring, swearing gentleman who... Uh, Hardly who a gentleman. Uh, his, uh, yes. <laughs> well, he is Sir John Falstaff. Um <laughs> Uh, who takes under his wing um, Hal, who is the future Henry V. Right. And, of course, Hal is a young boy at the time that uh, that this, this insult is coined, so would have had that rather embarrassing little tufty growth of, <laughs> you know, the, uh, the man's first moustache or <laughs> a boy's first go at growing a beard. You awesome. bull's pizzle. <laughs> Tony, do you think it would be a good idea for our listeners who are learning English to read Shakespeare? Because it's not easy, is it? It isn't easy. It takes a while. Do you know, well, I mean, I've been teaching and going to see Shakespeare now for a long, long time. And um, I can assure all your listeners that it takes me about five, ten minutes uh, when watching a Shakespeare play to get into the groove of listening and for that listening to kind of make sense to me. Shakespeare's language is a poetic language. It's a metaphoric language. 
language. It's written in uh, blank verse, in iambic pentameter, the, the heartbeat, which Petrarch, of course, an Italian, invented. Shakespeare chose the iambic pentameter because it has that simple ba-boom, ba-boom, the heartbeat. And of course, everything living knows that heartbeat because for nine months, that's all we heard when we were in the womb. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's that heartbeat that lends itself to be expressed through normal, everyday speech. So what Shakespeare is writing is is the popular language of the time, uh, with all its beautiful rhythms and nuances and metaphors and poetic devices, um, which can occasionally, you know, make us make us cry or make us laugh out loud. But I think I'd say to your listeners that. Um, that the first play, uh, the easiest play to navigate for the first time would be Macbeth, because it's the shortest play, it's a later play, and there's a surety to the writing and a shortness in the writing, which makes it very, very clear. Plus, the story is very easy to to remember. Right, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, good recommendation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now it's time for Idiom of the Week. Can you think of a Shakespearean idiom that is particularly relevant to our listeners on proper English? Well, I think um, going right back to the beginning of your podcast, it's got to be, hasn't it, to catch a cold. Is that Shakespearean? Yes, it is. Um, In Shakespeare's time, as I said, the plague was just a fact of life. It hit London and hit it again and again and again. People became used to the plague, became used to um, the restrictions that were put on them, being locked in, uh, having to isolate yourself. Uh, And of course, the theatre's closing. It's one of those phrases that not many people realise is a Shakespearean phrase, but I think in these plague-ridden times it would have to be to catch a cold and where does it come from tony which play comes from one of his very last plays king lear and uh which i think is the is the greatest play that he wrote in fact i think it's the greatest play in the english language it's a wonderful wonderful piece of work you know all those apocalyptic movies and disaster movies that were so fond of, you know, post-nuclear holocaust. There is Shakespeare in King Lear, writing at the very, very end of his life, who is contemplating giving up writing, leaving London, leaving his life there. He's old, he's tired, he's made an awful lot of money, and he's thinking about going back to Stratford, which is exactly what he does. Mm. Oh, Tony. Thank you so much for this. Yeah, thank you, Tony. Yeah, this has been marvellous. Tony, thank you very much for joining us today. And we'll see you again soon, I hope. Cheers, mate. And here we are at the end of another episode of Proper English. We hope you've had fun listening in on our conversation with Tony. And whether you're a new listener or a regular subscriber, why not get in touch with us? You can email us at properenglish... or one word... at sapo.pt... Or you can ask us questions on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. If you have them in your country. And don't forget to tell everyone you know about us. Your friends, your family, anyone who's studying or learning English. And make sure you like this episode and leave us a nice review. And subscribe to us on your favourite podcast app. So, until next time, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me too. 
and thank you for listening to Proper English. English.